for what our ears have already heard. We thank you for the push. We thank you, Father, for the harvesters. We thank you, Father, for all that you are doing and have done and will continue to do. God, speak to us tonight. Let Jesus, the teacher, be in the room. Uh, allow us to hear your voice, hear your word, receive fresh bread and revelation, and most importantly, not only be hearers of your word, uh, but doers of your word as well. We thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, tonight we are going to continue on, continue in our series, uh, The Dynamics of Momentum. Uh, we're going to do a quick review of what we've been discussing uh, for the last few weeks. I think I actually got the slides together tonight. <laughs> so we're going to do this uh, a little bit quickly so we can, again, get back into prayer and prophecy, hopefully, um, and hit the ground running uh, that uh, that way, but uh, the purpose and the introduction of the series is about recognizing, creating, building, and maintaining momentum in our lives and overcoming the obstacles to momentum. Our definition, our working definition for momentum um, is force or speed of movement, the impetus or drive. Uh, some synonyms uh, for momentum would be energy, impulse, propulsion, drive, and the scientific formula for momentum is mass in motion, or uh, momentum is mass times velocity. So you are move, any moving object, how fast an object is moving, uh, is what the momentum, how momentum is, is measured. A lot of M words there. Uh, mass, momentum, measured. Uh, so the origin of the word momentum comes from the words, uh, or literally means movement, or motion of a moving body okay so we're talking about obviously spiritual momentum which is the speed of holy spirit's mo movement in our lives in accordance to our response it is uh the speed of holy spirit's movement in our lives in accordance to our response so in other words we can either have high or low momentum we can either have high or low momentum so we have to learn how to measure the momentum of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is to say, how well are we responding to the Holy Spirit's movement? So we have to measure or determine the scope, extent, and the amount of, uh, of the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In other words, there may be an area in our life that we have really good, strong momentum in. And then there may be an area in our spiritual walk where the momentum is really, really low. Okay, uh, I can get into that. Uh, but some examples, uh, or a word spoken times the rate of response. The word spoken times the rate of response. Or instruction given times the rate of obedience. Like the word comes, how quickly are you to be obedient to what God has said? Mm -hmm. Or in marriage, for example. Of marriage times the rate of love and forgiveness. Okay, what is the momentum of your marriage? Okay, and I think we're going to hit on uh, relationships concerning momentum uh, in, in in the in the coming weeks. All right. So some other uh, spiritual momentum equations. Again, a weighty vision times low response. And so this is actually really good because what was prophesied uh, about the city of Indianapolis just a few moments ago. Uh, this is really, really good because, to be honest with you, every time this year, 
around anniversary time, I start feeling very nostalgic and emotional. And I, this year, I actually kind of got discouraged. I normally I don't get discouraged, but this year I got discouraged. Uh, but so that's why that word is really good because what does one of the words do? And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. The word releases momentum. When we receive a prophetic word, when the, when the Lord is speaking, it is releasing, it is designed to release or initiate momentum in our life. Okay? Uh, sin times fast repentance will keep your momentum going versus a prophetic word uh, or in addition to a prophetic word and a quick response and obedience or a great pr prayer life times slow obedience. Okay? Let's keep going. So we talked about uh, weight or the determination of a mass, how heavy something is, or weight or things that so easily ensnares us. Okay? Uh, so things such as laziness. All right? We looked at this. Things such as what we could be watching on television. Weights or things such as the style of music that we are listening to. The company we keep. Or maybe grudges that we're holding. Okay? And we looked at Matthew chapter 5. Verse 25, looked at Luke 16, verses 1 through 10, Numbers 11, 1 through 20, 2 Corinthians 10 through uh, 16. Or, excuse me. And then force, again, is the strength or the energy exerted to cause change or motion. So the force that we're talking about concerning spiritual momentum is our wills or God's will. In other words, again, is, what is it? How fast we respond to the movement of the Holy Spirit. So we all can probably attest the Holy Spirit says, hey, give this amount of money. Hey, go pray for him. Hey, uh, don't do this. Do that. And we, I don't want to do that. <laughs> nope. I, I, I shamefully will say I've told the Holy Spirit, no, I just, no, I'm not doing that. And the momentum of the Holy Spirit was halted in my life because of my own will. My own will Stop the flow of the Holy Spirit, okay? Versus God's will where he says, hey, I randomly, sovereignly want to release my will to your life. You didn't ask for it. You didn't pray for it. You didn't earn it. I just want to tell you I love you or I want you to be a millionaire or I want you to start a business or I want you to fill in the blank, okay? So aerodynamics, the study of the way objects move through the air. We talked about this. Uh, how long does it take for you to flow in the Spirit, do you have to get to your hallelujah quotient and pray for five hours before you feel the Holy Spirit? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. All right. So tonight, well, are there any questions? I kind of breezed through that. I want to really kind of get into um, tonight's lesson. Okay, I guess not. All right. But I will say this. Last week we talked about the four W's. The first one was weight. The second one was walls. Remember, hit walls. Uh, and then weights, as in time waiting. And then once. And I'm not going to get into that. We could be there all night. Uh, but tonight I really wanted to uh, kind of continue on in the same type of vein about what stops the flow of the Holy Spirit having momentum in our lives. And so we kind of put this one as Momentum Saboteurs, week 2.5. <laughs> it's still kind of connected to last week. <laughs> so it's kind of like two and a half, all right? Father, speak to us, help us in Jesus' name, all right? So I just, I really wanted to, quite honestly, in my will, 
wanted to start talking about the fun and exciting stuff like creating momentum and stuff like that. But I just felt a burden to stay in this same vein about what stops the Holy Spirit uh, from creating momentum in our life, okay? So again, Father, I'm asking that you would give me strength and, and revelation and insight to teach the word of the Lord tonight in Jesus' name, all right? So I want to open up this uh, class by reminding us that the Holy Spirit is always willing, able, and searching for opportunities to create and initiate momentum in our lives, okay? The Holy Spirit is a moving, active spirit. We see this in Genesis chapter 1, how the Bible talks about how the Spirit of God moved upon the earth. Uh, so one of the things that we see, again, in, in the very beginning, and I kind of talked about this uh, in our Sunday series, is that God is a builder, right? He's been, we've been talking about God being an innovator and, and a builder. But the Holy Spirit is always looking for opportunities and ways to create momentum in our lives. And he is doing that because he is always speaking to us. How, how many can attest to that? Holy Spirit is always saying, hey, he always has something to say. He's always speaking to us, even if it's stop or go or I love you or wait or do whatever. So, so the Holy Spirit is always searching for opportunities and ways to begin to initiate momentum in our lives. Okay, so, so tonight we're going to really be hidden on uh, the spirit of sabotage, <laughs> things that sabotage momentum. Okay, so let's begin to break this down. Our working definition for sabotage, literally the, uh, the dictionary definition, is the deliberate destruction, dis, uh, disruption, or damage. It literally means to destroy, damage, or disrupt, especially by secret means. Okay? By secret means. All right? Please pay special attention to that by secret means. Okay? That's very key. Okay? I want you to understand that sabotage has a plan. Sabotage has a plan. And just as, and I think I've said this um, maybe within a week or last two weeks, just as God has a plan or narrative over our lives, so does the enemy. Just as God says, this is my will, that you be in health, that you prosper, that you move in my will, that you take the city, that you have a prosperous marriage, you know, whatever. There's also an opposing narrative or an opposing plan to what God has in store for us. Okay? We see this in the life of Joseph. We see this in the life of David. We see this, in, I mean, we just see this all throughout the Bible. And we see that even in our own lives. <laughs> How many times has God spoken to us? And as soon as we get excited about what God is saying, and it starts to be kind of... Be, be, be made clear to us, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. And then we're like, did I really hear from the Lord? Lord, is that really you telling me to do X, Y, and Z? And oftentimes, opposition really is an indicator that you're going in the right direction. So we have to understand that sabotage has a plan, okay? Now, what is our definition of the spirit of sabotage? It is an evil and hiding spirit that desires to disrupt, hinder, and stop movement that takes on various forms and expression. Okay? A hiding an evil spirit that desires to disrupt, hinder, and stop movement 
that takes on various forms and expressions. Now, again, think about this. Remember, sabotage, the strength of sabotage is that it is done secretly, right? It is done, it is done secretly. I remember uh, we were in grade school, probably, no, probably high school, middle school anyway. Uh, we had some next door neighbors, literally next door neighbors, and uh, we all went to the same school together. We we're all around the same age. And the summertime, it was hot outside, and we were doing water gun fights and all this other stuff. And my brother and I decided we're going we're gonna to sabotage, we're going to ambush them at night. So we knew they went to church, and we, they came home late, and uh, there was a big bush in the front yard of our, of our uh, driveway. And I had put on all black, my brother put on all black. <laughs> we had water guns out there, and we was in the bushes waiting for them. Right, fun times, right? But the but the strength of sabotage is that you do it secretly. You're trying to be hidden. You don't want to be seen. You know, you don't you don't telegraph. You know, the quarterback doesn't say, "All right, guys, I'm going to throw it to receiver 54, so you guys be ready." No, they 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 huddle. They they make plans. They call audibles. They they do they do fakes. They do all these things. Because they're trying to get an advantage over that which is opposing them, right? So this means that the spirit of sabotage requires that we operate in high level, if we're going to fight the spirit of sabotage, that we operate in high levels of discernment. Why? Because the spirit of sabotage will oftentimes come into agreement with another spirit so that it cannot be detected. Oh God. Yes, Lord. So it'll say it'll say to fear. Remember we had the wall last week? Remember we had the wall last week? And, and I think fear was up there twice. Uh perversion. Uh I can't remember some other stuff on there, but whatever. But but the spirit of sabotage would, would, would literally come into agreement with those things that were on a wall and say, Hey, I've got to disturb and stop. And, and, and hinder this movement of the Holy Spirit in this individual's life. Can I, can, I, can I count on you to operate in their life? I got you. Okay. So what the spirit of sabotage does is it sets the platform for another spirit to operate in our life. So if we might be in a, a predisposed to or delivered from something, the spirit of sabotage will say, hey, you were once in their life. If I open a door, do you mind coming back in? <laughs> sure. And, and so, and so, it, 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 I mean, and so it's crafty. It's evil. It's hiding. Okay. Why? For the purposes of stopping the movement of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, momentum is two parts. It is the mass times the movement. So here's your life. That is put on halt because of the spirit of sabotage is bringing things into your life that's keeping you from moving forward into destiny. This making sense. All right. So I want you to see this even in life of Jesus. Turn to Matthew 16, please. Ooh. Sorry, that film might help me calm down. It's too early. <laughs> Matthew 16. I want you to see this. Again, we're talking about unlocking Christ this year, right? So we got to see how he deals with 
this, how he dealt with it, and even how it has the nerve to come against Jesus. Watch this. Matthew 16, uh, verse 21 through 23. All right. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Verse 20, or before we get to 22. So again, let's set the context. What is he doing? I'm, he's moving closer to what? Destiny. This, I'm, I'm at the final leg of my assignment. So I get my disciples together and say, guys, I got to go through Jerusalem and suffer many things. Verse 22. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from uh, you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Y'all see that? Then he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. So this is the spirit of sabotage operating in the life of Jesus. Where do I say that from? Because literally, notice what the Bible, and I didn't see this at first, but notice, and I, thank you, Holy Ghost. The Bible says that he took him aside. Notice that. Pay attention to that. Why do I point that out? Because oftentimes people with an agenda <laughs> take you to the side. Manipulation. Because if, I, because if I say something in front of everybody, somebody can call me on it. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to the side and be like, I can't let this, this, no, no, Jesus, this, no, this can't happen. No. Sabotage. I'm trying to stop, hinder, disturb where you've got to go, what you have to do. This, we've got to be discerning of this. And I love Jesus' response. He says, he turns to Peter and says, get thee behind me, what? <laughs> he, the, listen, look, look at the, I love this. And he turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> Think about that. He turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> he, he had to be discerning. Hey, this is a spirit talking. I love you, Peter. But, I, but right now, you are being used of the enemy. To sabotage my assignment. And we've got to be discerning of this. See, because the spirit of sabotage uses those who are closest to us. <laughs> Can. The spirit of sabotage, oftentimes, again, it works within us and without. So it'll even whisper in our voice. The spirit of sabotage, I'm just giving you some characteristics, will disguise itself as wisdom a lot of times. Hmm. Well, I can't do that because even though I know God said, but if I, uh, it's got to be wise. But, uh, and see, it, it, it can fight us from within and without. And we've got to be discerning. We've got to have a, 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 our ears tuned into the frequency of the Holy Ghost to say, is this, is this a, 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 a caution from the Holy Ghost to pump my brakes? Or, are, or is this something else? 
that is working in, in, in cahoots with the enemy to stop me from moving forward into destiny. Is this making any sense tonight? We're talking about momentum saboteurs. We're talking about those things that literally keep us from moving forward, that sabotage our success. And, and I was going to, I'm not, um, I'm going to just go off script. I was going to put this up there, but I didn't have time to really flesh this out. But one of the things that I have discerned that one of the things that stops us as a saboteur to our momentum is time release curses. I really don't have too much time to deal with it, but 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 we see this from a from a cyclical perspective. Um, from for an example, um, every well, yeah, uh, Halloween is an example of this. <laughs> every year around this time, around Halloween, there are things released into the atmosphere and, and causes people the death increases, uh, child abduction increases. You know, kidnapping, all those sorts of things increase because of a certain set time. Uh, many years ago, I, I, I remember testifying about this on a Sunday morning. Uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't that long ago. But, but one of the things that when you are breaking generational curses in your family is to, is to be astute about what took your previous generations out. So, for an example, I, I looked at my parents and uh, they got, they, they separated at year, I want to say seven, I believe. And then I went and I looked and I was like, my wife, uh, ladies and I were celebrating 13 years uh, in October. And I looked and I was like, man, this year seven is a boo-hoo-hoo, is a doozy. <laughs> but then I went back to look and it's like, oh, that, oh, oh, that, that makes sense. That's okay. And I now I know why my dad would say X, Y, and Z and how he responded and how I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to respond another way. So, so it is time release curses that, 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 that. Here's another one. Have you ever been in a situation and, and, and it's just certain, I'm going to be nice, and certain things just automatically just, all, you don't know where they came from. It's kind of awakening you overnight. <laughs> not just not just sexual stuff. I mean, just desires, just something that you don't you know where did this come from. And then you do some research, and you find out, man, great great granddad, or this is a pattern in my family that nobody wants to talk about until you scratch the surface and dig a little bit deeper. These are saboteurs. These are those hiding evil spirits sent to stop and disturb your progress. Okay? And we've got to be discerning of it, all right? So I'm going to deal with three other, oh, no, that was for free. But I'm going to deal with three major saboteurs that we deal with. Number one is unresolved sin. Number one is unresolved sin, okay? Now, we understand, we know, and, and one of the things that, that, that we're moving toward is a, is a better understanding of the, of the covenant that God has with us, uh, et cetera, and et cetera. So we don't have a sin consciousness, and we don't beat people up, and we understand that we're not condemned. But I, but I want us to see some, a, a principle in Proverbs 28 and 13, and then I want us to go also to Joshua 7. Uh, but, but, but let's first of all go to Proverbs 28 and 13. 
The Bible says, whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. That's Proverbs 28 and 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. We know this was written in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit was not given to every man, but, 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 the, but, but the wisdom of God was expressed in this proverb by helping us to understand that when we are covering our sins, when we are not addressing what's going on inside of us, it's going to stop us from moving forward. Why? Because it's going to take away mercy. And so when we acknowledge, man, I'm dealing with, see, here's the thing. Because sin is, is, I love this definition. I heard somebody say that sin is an inappropriate response to a legitimate need. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Sin is an inappropriate response to a legitimate need. So if we feel the need to cover ourselves because we've done wrong instead of just confessing what would we do lie right or oh it wasn't me why because of fear of being caught and so now we're compounding the issues right but one of the things that sin does is it rides our conscience and it takes away our ability to to walk in the flow in confidence Okay, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I know, and we probably all know firsthand, that when we have, when we're covering sin, there is a certain level of, 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 of hesitation, a certain level of like, can I really, am I really, and, and it's not necessarily that God is decreeing this over our lives, but, 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 but for the child of God, sin is counter our nature, <laughs> And so that's why sin bothers us so much, not because God is condemning us. It is against our nature, right? So it's like uh, we don't walk on all fours, right? We're, we're human beings. We walk on our two feet. But if, we are, if, but if we are in a position where we're just walking on all fours, we can get to where we're going, but not comfortably. We can get to where we're going, but not effectively. We can get to where we're going, but not the way that we ought to. Why? Because we weren't designed to walk that way. So when we're in sin as a believer, when, that's why the Holy Spirit convicts us, not condemns us. But, but, but what it does is it stops that movement of the Holy Spirit being operative in maximum level in our life. Does this make sense? So we, so we have to see this on an individual level. But I want you to go to Joshua chapter 7 and even see the, 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 uh, the, the, the issue from a corporate level. This is, is this helping anybody? Is this make, making sense? All right. Joshua chapter 7, uh, a little bit of reading here. Uh, Joshua chapter 7, verse uh, 10 through 26. And the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned and they have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for what? Destruction. Okay. 
verse, uh, I'm in verse 12. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people, and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you have taken away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, um, you shall uh, be brought near uh, by your tribes. And the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans and the clan of the Lord takes shall come near by households and the household of the Lord shall take near by man by man. So he's filtering the systems. I need every tribe and then out of every family and every clan and then out of every person. We're going to find this. <laughs> okay. He has taken the devoted things uh, shall be burned with fire and he shall and he and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe and the tribe of Judah was taken and he brought near the clans of Judah and the Herites was taken, etc. etc. Verse. Let's skip down to verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, truly, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent uh, with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel and to all the people of Israel and to all the people of Israel. Okay, make note of that. I'm going to come back to that. And they laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold. And Aunt, watch this. And his sons and daughters and his oxen and donkeys and sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought him up to the valley of Achar. And Joshua said, why did, why did you bring trouble on who? us. The Lord brings trouble on you today. <laughs> and all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned him with fire and stoned him with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achar. Whew! He did all of that because he broke covenant. It wasn't that God had a problem with him having gold and cloaks and silver and all the other stuff. The problem was he did what well, he broke covenant. But I want you to see that his sin halted the momentum of the entire nation. So it wasn't it wasn't just man you know what? We got to go. Can y'all go find out who did it? We got to keep going. No. 
The Lord talked to the head man and said, get up. And you are personally responsible to find out who did this thing because this is stopping, listen, the entire momentum of the entire nation. And when they found him, it wasn't just him who died. <laughs> they took his sons, his daughters, his tent, everything he had, burned it, stoned him. I mean, goodness gracious. Thank God for grace. <laughs> But the, but the principle is, is that when you as an individual don't do what God called you to do, you're not just hurting yourself. You're hurting everyone. New Testament example. Uh, the Apostle Paul had written in a letter how to handle the, the guy who was sleeping with his dad's wife. So this had to be read and addressed in front of everybody because of one person's sin. You ever, okay, how many of us have a brother or a sister or not the only child? That's, probably, that's all of us, right? How many times have we gotten in trouble for something we didn't do? All right, since nobody tell the truth, y'all both going to get it. <laughs> how many heard that? Like, no, no TV for nobody. Why are you messing this up for everybody? Right? It's the same principle. The whole entire momentum is stopped because of unresolved sin. Not that God, now I know we live in a new covenant, and I know that God is not angry with us and is not imputing our sins against us, but what I'm saying is that at some point we've got to take personal responsibility and understand that unresolved sin is not necessarily an issue of Oh, God is angry with me as much as it is I'm stopping the flow of the movement of God, not only in my own life, but in the life of those who are connected with me. This is a, this is, it sabotages momentum. It also releases condemnation, but I, I'm not going, ugh. ugh. Let's see this. The next one. You're working on a question or something. Comment. Let's go to, the second one is offense. Let's go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Verses uh, 18 through 21. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom... And does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but only endures for a while. Here it is. When tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles or gets offended. That's that same word there, offended. Okay? So, so watch this. He who has no root in himself but endures only for a little bit. But when tribulation or persecution arises as a result of the word, of the what? Of the kingdom. 
We just said that, right? He immediately stumbles and gets offended. <laughs> so here's God releasing a word. Here's the sower releasing the word. He's sowing it. Woo! I received it with joy. Woo, that sounds good. But as soon as persecution arises, the preachers are all the same. I shouted and I still ain't got my check in the mail. I ain't going back to man. Ain't no such thing as prophets. Because they prophesied to me, and the first, next thing I know, this happened and that happened, and da 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 da. And you are stopping the flow of the Holy Ghost, and you are causing the momentum of the Holy Spirit to be halted in your life. Because as soon as that word is persecuted and tried, you stumble, get offended. <laughs> Y'all told me everything was going to be all right when I got saved. Anyone heard that? Or something like that. This is, this is a big saboteur of momentum. Is offense. The word offense literally means a trap. Scandalizo, where you are put into a trap. Offended people are, are, are trapped people. <laughs> people who are easily offended are always caught and stuck. That's what a trap does. It, it stops you from moving. Okay? This is a major saboteur. Let's keep going. Let's look at Proverbs 18 and 19. Proverbs 18 and 19. Still talking about offense. 18 and 19. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And the contentions are like the bars of a castle. Keep in mind, in, the, in these times, the cities were fortified with what? Walls. <laughs> They're fortified with walls. And what happens again is the individual who is offended is trapped behind a wall. <laughs> so and you can't get in and you can't get out. That's why I say it's harder to win than a strong city. Why? Because he's offended. <laughs> like the bars of a castle. So he's saying the secure, he goes on security lockdown mode because they're offended. You can't get close to me. Don't correct me. Don't touch me. Don't, don't look at me. Don't smile at me. Don't say my name. People are petty like that. <laughs> don't, even, don't even look at me. Don't even say my name. But like, how are you going to tell me not to say? I can say whatever I want to say. Anyway. But that's what offense does. And when you are offended, you are in a trap, and you're not going to be able to move with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Amen, lights. And we got we got to deal with this, right? It's a, it's a major saboteur. You're going good, and all of a sudden somebody steps on you. I remember I'll share this story real quick, and I've seen this happen so many times. You ever been in a service or just been in, in a strong prayer, and the Lord really minister to you or deal with you about you know the future and what He wants to do in your life, and you share it with somebody, 
they're just like, that's cute. Okay, great. Uh, and you're like, I mean, just all, it's just like, did I even hear from the Lord? Did I, the last five hours I was on the carpet crying and did that even mean anything? <laughs> right? So you got to be, we got to be, we have to be discerning of that saboteur spirit that is hiding to stop us from moving forward. Because it'll employ offense. See, you tell, you told her, you told him, and they don't even care. You're trying to move and you're trying to do what God's telling you to do, and they didn't even get excited with you. And you get offended. You get in your feelings. And what you would have and could have and should have done, nobody's with me anyway. I don't know if I even heard the Lord anyway. And you're stuck. And your momentum is halted. Okay? Last one. It's going by really fast tonight. Y'all ain't talking to me. Is demonic decrees and de declarations. Major saboteur. Okay? I want you to see this. Look at uh, Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. Um, we're going to read, really we could read the whole chapter, but for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of skip around just a little bit. Numbers chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, first mistake, uh, why? Because the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman, and they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Now what does the Lord speaking to Moses have to do with the person he married? And they said, has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Uh-oh. Now, the man, Moses, was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly, the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, come out, you three, to the tent of meeting." You met their natural brothers and sister. And it's like a parent overhearing two of their their children conspire against the other one. Y'all come out here. Come on, come here, come here. <laughs> Y'all see this? Come out here. And the Lord came down in a pillar of a cloud and stood in the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I... The Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Verse 7. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against him, and he departed. So he's like, look, y'all see them? That's how I talk to them. Him? We cool like that. He come to my house. We chill. He got keys to my car and my house. Why would you think it's okay for you to talk crazy about him? <laughs> how do you respond to that? I mean, I thought it was okay because I didn't think you were going to hear us, Lord. I mean, you know, how do you respond to that, right? <laughs> he departed. 
And the cloud removed from over the tent. Behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned against Miriam. And behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when she comes out of her mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, Oh, God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had put spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Wow. Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that, she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people, here's what I wanted you to see. And the people did not set out on the march Till Miriam was brought in again. After that, the people set out to Hetheroth and encamped in the wilderness of Paran. So again, we see private conversations are having a corporate impact. Because you talking crazy about your brother Moses and who he married, something that's not even significant to his to the to his life, I mean, to the life of the, the, the skin color, who cares? And so you got to go out, sit outside for a week, and the whole entire camp got to wait till you come back in. <laughs> I mean, you read the Bible, and the Bible's good with stories, man. I'm going to read the Bible. So it's, 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 a, it's a demonic declaration. We hear from God too. Has God only spoken to him? Who does he think he is? It's familiarity. And because of their words, their mouth. Now watch this. Aaron was a priest. Was he not? Miriam was a what? A prophetess. So their words were more important. That, see, this is what we have to understand as leaders is that God's going to hold us to a higher account because leaders innately have influence. And so when they are talking against Moses, you know, their words mean something. He said, listen, guys, all these other prophets, I talk to them in dreams and riddles and they got to figure it out and all this other stuff. Him, I talk face to face. How dare you put your mouth on him? And because they did that, what happened? The whole momentum of the whole entire nation, eh, She's been out there how many days? How many? And even when Moses interceded for her, God was like, nope. Even if her dad spit in her face, she'd be ashamed. So even though she talked crazy about you and you're interceding for her, she still got to sit out. Time out for seven days. Mm. Last verse. 1 Samuel 17. First Samuel 17, uh, verses 4 through 11. Still dealing with demonic decrees and declarations. We've got to watch our mouth. We've got to watch it. But I want you to see this. First Samuel 17, verses 4 through 11. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Goodness gracious. 5,000 anything is heavy. <laughs> 
And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a beaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted in the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out uh, to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not my servants of Saul? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you uh, shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of, or the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that he may fight, that we may fight together. And Saul, when Saul and all Israel heard these words, they were what? Dismayed and greatly afraid. So here is one demonic that I'm going to kill him. And the Bible, if you keep reading. So he was cursing them for days, for weeks. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Y'all ain't nothing. I'm going to eat you. But I mean, he's just going in, right? And so these demonic declarations, if you know the history of, of uh, Goliath, he came from uh, 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 the people Gath. And these people were arch enemies to Israel, right? They had issues with Israel. And so all this time, he is releasing these curses. He's releasing fear. And watch this. The, again, the entire nation is stalled out because of one person making demonic declarations. One person, I'm going to kill you. Y'all can't do nothing with me. And, and watch this. This is why, remember we had the wall up here? This is why the Bible says fear has what? Torment. It stops what you would do in the Lord because you're afraid. They're going to find out my secrets. What if you fail? What if, what, if, what if this happens? What if that happens? Do you have enough money? You have, you, do you have the right? I mean, all of these things. And people will just say, and see, sometimes I found out people, Lord, help me to say this. Sometimes people mean well. <laughs> But they don't know that sometimes they're being used by an alternate spirit. I'm being nice. And again, it's that spirit of sabotage. Sometimes people mean well, but, but, but because of familiarity, but because of their own failures, they, their own prisms. They, they see us and they filter what we're trying to do or what God has birthed in us, and they just can't get with it. And we have to have an ear, just like Jesus did in Matthew 16, have, had a, have to have an ear to discern. Hold on. Get thee behind me, Satan. Mm -mm. We have to have a keen ear to, to filter and say, is this, is this Holy Spirit pushing me farther? Or is this Holy Spirit telling me to pump the brakes? Mm. Mm -mm. Nope, I don't come into agreement with that. And, and these demonic things come to stop our movement and our momentum. And we've got to be able to speak up just like David did. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the army of the living God? And what did he do? He began to pull out a testimony and said, hold on. God delivered me out of the hand of the lion. Hold on. God delivered me out of the hand of the bear. Hold on. 
And this guy, this guy is defying the armies of, you're, you're trying to embarrass my God? Like, where's my, man, come on, man. Where's my slingshot? This, uh, I'm not okay with this. And, and we've got to develop that type of tenacity. And ooh, and I believe the momentum of the Holy Ghost got behind that rock. Hmm. As he was winding it up, man, the Bible says that that thing was embedded in his head. It didn't just pop him. And hit, no, it was in it was in his head. So I just believe the angel Lord just went. <laughs> it just blew on it. Momentum that force hit him right. But it, but it was out of obedience and it was out of a, a fear of God that he said, I'm not going to allow this thing. Stop the momentum of the Holy Spirit. This whole nation, the King Saul is afraid. The entire army, how, how is an entire army afraid of one person? You know that's a spirit of fear. You know that's demonic. That a whole army, I'd be like, look, we've been at this for a week now. I'm tired. I'll I'll throw something from behind the vine. Can you go in the back of the mountain and you, you do your bow and arrow, you know, with them, you come with from this. I mean, we're gonna do something. I mean, good God. But they but they in the tent wringing their hands and walking back and forth because of a demonic declaration. And we've got to have the boldness and the tenacity. I love you were praying, Elder Brandon, about having strategies and, and, and how to do this. And and Lord, show me the next step. Give me the momentum. Show me. Give me the harvesters to bring in the what you have already ordained versus coming to, into agreement. Well, you know, Indianapolis is X, Y, and Z. Yeah, we know, but we also have a word. Let me calm down. I'm trying to wind down for anniversary. I'm about to be in receive mode. Don't ask me to prophesy. I pray nothing. I'm... <laughs> I'm sitting here and just take me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> got one more Sunday. Are there any questions before we bring up the prophet again, or whomever? Are there any comments? <laughs> Praise God. Somebody say something, my goodness. Rebuke Patty. Because uh, with that, you know, with talking about momentum, you know, and uh, you know, and I were talking earlier, um, we're talking about like, you know, growth and, and stages, even the momentum of growth. You know, I think that the, the transition of stages is a savage for of, 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 of growth and momentum as well. Not understanding what stage you're in, mm -hmm. when has that stage even shifted? You know, so like, um, so like for instance, if I, if I teach my son how to tie his shoe, I expect him to go to the next stage of tying his shoe on his own. But if he hasn't shifted on that, we're gonna stay in momentum because now I have to carp on you about tying your shoe or even showing you how to tie your shoe again when I could be on to showing you some new things. So see your momentum with that, you know, unresolved in the offense and that can all add up to not using the 
the new tools you have gained in right. that stage to be able to be successful or to continue to go on in the next stage. Because if I expect you to be a teenager now, but you're still holding on to ideas or thoughts of an immature child, I can't let you go on now. I can't let you go get your driver's license. I can't let you drive my car. So your whole life is on pause. It's on pause now. Yeah, that, that's so good. I, funny story. Um, you know, uh, we have a, uh, like, our sliding door at home where we let the dog out. And uh, it's, you got you to gotta know how to do it. But Christopher didn't know how to do it. And so the first time I'm like, hey, lock the door. And he's like, I can't. I'm like, just lock the door. Do it like this. And he was getting frustrated. He was about to cry. And I'm like, you better not cry. You got to learn how to do this, son. He's like, <laughs> and I say, do this. It, it, and I had to show him because I understood if you don't learn how to do this, you're just going to slow up the whole operation of the house because you can't lock the door. So we're going to take the time in this moment for you to learn. No, you got to pull the little thing out and then push it and then pull the knob. And, and so to your point, it's like unresolved. I'm afraid. I don't have the confidence. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I've tried it once and it didn't work. Try it again. I tried it twice and it didn't work. You got to keep going until you can do it because you're going to stop the whole flow. <laughs> now he's now he's fine. But but we got to we got to address it. Or he could have got You're mean, dad. You just want me to No. Get, no, we don't have offense. We're not gonna let you get in your fit. No, because we've got to keep going. That's, that's that's so good. Discerning those stages and the transitions. That's so good. Any other questions or comments? All right. Let's stand up, and I guess I'm gonna put it back into you guys' hands. <laughs> Father, we thank you for tonight's class, and as we go forward, um, speak to us and help us and strengthen us in Jesus' name.